Hey, and welcome to This Creative Life, conversations with creatives on creativity and how we can cultivate, inspire, and nourish our creative souls. Today, I'm sharing such a brilliant chat with Kylie Stewart of Say So Creative based on the Gold Coast. We chat all about her creative journey to now and how having such an expansive approach to the client she works with bucks the niching trend. Kylie also generously shares insight into her creative process and how important it is to be connected to your why, as well as how important it is to create on your own terms. Hello, Kylie. How are you? Hello, I'm really well. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Are you ready to go on this creative journey? Yes, I am. (laughs) So tell us a bit about your creative journey and where did you realize that you wanted to live a creative life? I've always been creative. I think a lot of creatives say that. (laughs) I feel like it's instilled in me from a very young age. Um, I can't remember not being creative. I've always dabbled in craft or making things as a child. I danced. I did pottery. I did so many different things, like in different types of ways of being creative. But it's, yeah, I feel like it's always been a part of me and it's always been my outlet as such. Um, so, yeah, from a very young age, I've always been creative. Um, I remember like at school, in primary school, always like making books and <laughs> getting lots of pieces of paper and the teacher having to stop at me from using so much paper. <laughs> And then, yeah, just as I kind of got older, I obviously loved art class in primary um, and then went into high school and obviously did art there and it was just always like, yeah, I don't know, it was just always a thing. My dad used to take me to art galleries all the time and that was just one of my favourite things to do, just walk around an art gallery and just, you know, would stare at a painting for like, you know, 10, 15 minutes and be like, what do you think that, you know, that painting means or what's the story behind it so Mm, I love that yeah so it was kind of um, I think that's where my kind of love of the storytelling side of creativity kind of came to life as well and then obviously you know like I was always yeah like I said always making things I could run rummage through spotlight and just look for different things I could make or create and just always love trying new things and then obviously when it came time to thinking about my future (laughs) I was like I love drawing I love painting I like making things what can I do for a job that's creative and I can get paid for it because that's all I wanted to do I just wanted to do something creative and be paid for it (laughs) so my mum owned a cafe in Avalon on the northern beaches where I grew up and one day one of her like regulars was was Frost Frenwick who was the co-founder of Billy Blue College of Design and um, she told me about him and then one day I was working at the cafe and he was there and he told me about graphic design and invited me um, to one of their workshops that they had for high school students. I was about 14 at the time, um, which was a day in the life of a graphic designer. So I went to Billy Blue the day in North Sydney and I just absolutely fell in love with it. <laughs> Felt like I had a bit of a knack for it. And then, yeah, so that's how I kind of fell into graphic design was was that. So that's kind of like, yeah, I guess my journey. <laughs> it's always a way, like, every creative, it's always that whole, I don't, I can't remember when I wasn't creative. Like, as you yeah. said, it was the perfect quote. Like, it's just always something that you do. 
And it's not even something like yeah. you think about per se, like when you're a kid, like you don't think about, oh, I'm being creative, like you're just doing it and yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love and that I you t- just let it follow you. Yeah, and I can totally see that now in my daughter. She's almost four and she's just always dancing and singing and she loves drawing and doing craft and making things, like just doing chalk on the pavers and stuff like that. I'm always getting, you know, things brought home, <laughs> like scribbles and papers. But you can just see how intuitively creative she is and even though she doesn't know it, she's just always singing and dancing, you know, doing something playful. So you can definitely see that it stems from a very young age, even though you're not aware of it. Creativity and that childlike wonder is such a magical thing, isn't it? Because it's yeah. it's just so imaginative and boundless and yeah. limitless and it's just so fun because there's n- yeah. none of that inner critic in our head being like, wait a minute, why did you pick that colour? Like I know when my niece colours and I'm like, okay, you chose green for the sun. All right, cool. And that's yeah. <laughs> just me and my uh, being an annoying adult, just being like, well, the sun is actually yellow. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like you just as children, we just don't think to critique ourselves. We just go with it and play. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, there's just something freeing about it too. And like I said, like it's been just amazing to watch that and just remembering that as well, like in trying to bring that back into, I guess, my own creative practices. Just, yeah, that carelessness and that freeness of it. You know, she could do a scribble on a page and say, make a story out of it, but you can't actually visually see it. But there's this like a whimsical story behind it um, that's been made up in her head. And it's just, yeah, it's just so beautiful. Speaking of freeing, your range of work is ever expansive and you have such a wide niche when designing for clients. Being that messaging seems to be niching down in our industry, could you tell us about your approach to your projects and how you don't get pigeonholed by design trends that we're constantly seeing on Instagram? Yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, I've been in the industry for about 14 years now. And when I started, I started in an internal marketing team where we used brand a brand guideline (laughs) brand guidelines to create any work that we had so basically I was given red white gray and Helvetica to use (laughs) so that's where I kind of learned about branding um, working within the limits of a brand guide but also slightly trying to push the boundaries and then as I went through agency different agencies and worked with you know different brands you know there was always those guidelines in place and we had to create and develop something based on that brand and their look and feel and, you know, that was a part of their business, we couldn't really do anything on trend other than maybe like jumping on the bandwagon of some kind of news or like I guess trend of wearing different types of clothes or words that were being put out there or anything that was happening in the world. That's kind of what we jumped on to to create certain marketing and advertising pieces but in terms of the actual design and the style of things definitely had to be fit like fitted within that brand so i think just having that experience um and then i guess before instagram too when i was in agency world that there wasn't all these messages about having to niche and being the expert in your field and all those bits and pieces and it wasn't really until i started doing you know business courses that you know they started talking about niching and you saw other people who do their own run their own courses talking about niching and I guess people being exposed to like you know other people's work being online and all that kind of stuff that actually I questioned that myself I was like should I be niching (laughs) should I have a certain style 
But at the end of the day, like I don't feel like I need to be an expert in any particular field from my experience and just loving what I do. I love working with different businesses um, and a variety of businesses because it's exciting and um, you get to meet different people and everyone has their own you know, story and journey that you can be a part of. But I feel like trends and niching can sometimes also not fit for everyone. So like it's okay to do it. Like I know a few designers and other people that do niche and they work with a specific field or industry and they do really great in that. But I would find that really limiting <laughs> myself. Yeah, I don't know how to elaborate on that. No, I think it's a really... Like I didn't actually think about when you were saying, oh, you know, I was essentially designing before Instagram. I hadn't actually thought about that. Just realizing now, this is kind of really similar to the conversation that I had with Lou on the last episode and how she was working in an agency where her creative director slash boss come up with a really organic idea. And it was, you know, pre-Pinterest and it was based on your own actual imagination, knowledge, wisdom, all that kind of stuff. And I know that's really obvious, but I think we forget we are, we are so ingrained in living this Instagram, Pinterest, highlight real life that we don't really understand what it's like to kind of go back to basics and go back to kind of that organic way of thinking. Like I was just illustrating, I'm doing some brand identity for a friend's beautiful Airbnb and I was actually just kind of drawing stuff and in my head I thought to myself, yeah, look, I really should go on Pinterest and just maybe check that what I'm doing is right. And then I thought to myself, why am I doing that? Like, yeah, I'm like, and, and it's such a thing that you have to kind of catch yourself in to realize, yeah. wait a minute, I'm looking to Pinterest as the authority to my own imagination and yeah. like knowledge of the brands that I've come across in my lifetime, whether they be in supermarkets or, you know, online stores, you know what I mean? Like yeah, when, I wonder how we can get back to that at some point. Do you think we'll ever get back to that? I hope so. And I don't know, I feel like, like you said, it's really easy to fall in that trap these days, like, because it is so accessible. And I think that's, you know, how these trends and bits and pieces do tend to start is because everything is so accessible. And when you have those moments of doubt, you're like, oh, just have a look on Pinterest or, you know, when you're scrolling through Instagram, you're looking at other designers or rather creatives accounts. And it's kind of, it's that photographic memory too. There's a really good example that I heard at a design conference. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they showed this clip of two designers and they got them to walk the same path down the street. And as they were walking, there was all these visual cues that they didn't know about. So like it would have been a shape or a certain font or an animal or something like that. But they walked the same path. They got to the studio. They were completely separated. They got given a brief piece of paper and a pen and they basically drew a concept for a logo. Then they both came together and revealed those logos and they were pretty much identical. So even though, yeah, they were kind of walked the same path and they were completely separate from each other, is because as a creative we have those little photographic memories that they picked up all these cues along the way and kept them in their little <laughs> brain bank. And when it came time to doing the creative brief, they used all that information they just recently collected to create a logo that was very similar. So that's kind of, I see how 
Instagram and Pinterest and, you know, being exposed to other people's work kind of allows those trends to happen. And it also happens for clients. Clients are really exposed these days. They jump onto Pinterest. So when they come to you, they have a certain idea in their head or if they're trying to find a designer who kind of connects with what they've put together in their Pinterest board, they're obviously going to go to them. So yeah, I think it's really easy, but that's why in my creative practice, I've always learned to start with paper and pen. And I basically mind map, dissect, <laughs> look into symbolism, look into colors, look at a, like look at things around me, and try and get things out onto paper first. And then you know sometimes I'll look on Instagram and be like, damn it, that looks like the logo I just made. But I think you can't help it these days because of that photographic memory, and it's that idea that nothing's new anymore. So it's yeah, just keeping that reminder in the back of my head that you know to try and dig deeper and explore different ideas further you know if there's a key word you know what does that mean or could it mean this or what color does that attach itself to or what shape does that attach itself to could it maybe be this or you know and then dig deeper kind of thing to try and kind of find something unique but at the end of the day what we hopefully create as creatives and designers is something that's really unique and tailored to that business to make them stand out in the crowd at the end of the day you don't want to create something that's just going to blend in with the noise and you know obviously doesn't have longevity in it because it is on trend or is in a niche style yeah I absolutely loved your recent project the piggyback restaurant absolutely beautiful (laughs) like just so quirky and so fun and so unique and so playful and just so much character and it was one of those ones where it's like it immediately stuck out to me because it was so different to what I've been seeing on my own feed and like no shame to what I'm seeing on my own feed but <laughs> I, that's I, and that's honestly what I love about you and why I follow you like aside from the fact that you're a lovely person but <laughs> can we also just put it out there so one of the reasons why I start I, I think I'd followed you for a little while but we really started talking when uh, you actually created beautiful custom screen printed tote bags for the black summer bushfires two years ago and you, you just saw what was going on and it was something that was I found really healing to be a part of as well because it wasn't just like throw your money like Celeste Barber stuff which is nothing wrong with that I just want to disclaimer disclaimer (laughs) I I just felt I loved like how special these totes were and I actually bought them for my family members and you know so it was a really such a beautiful project and a beautiful idea that you had so Anyway, um, okay, so talking about Instagram again, I swear everybody's just like, can you please talk about something else other than Instagram? But I just feel like it's such a big part of our lives now. Like it is just such a huge platform for us to kind of survive on. You know, we don't really do flyers in the letterbox anymore. You recently shared like really quite like openly on Instagram stories how some days you would be happy to stack shelves at a supermarket instead of running a business based on our own conversations like we have all been there at some point or another um, but clearly like there is a love of our creativity that keeps it keeps us going what keeps you going in your creative business um the fact that I have a family (laughs) to look after (laughs) I don't know there's so much to unpack in that one story that I shared like 
because I, I often joke about it a lot that I'd rather be packing shelves at Coles than running my own business. And no offence to anyone packing shelves at Coles. I think you've got the most amazing job in the world. Yes, um, I, I did it during COVID last year oh, yeah, and I, I, I did it at night and it was the best thing I've ever done. I was like, I could just do this for the rest of my life. And they gave me the makeup yeah. aisle, which apparently is the aisle that everyone hates and I used to work <laughs> at Mecca. So it was like, this is great. I already know what I'm doing. And it was the best. Yeah, I think I'd find yeah, I it, just, it it's just that switching off therapeutic. So coming back to that is like obviously being in business for five years now, it hasn't obviously been easy and I don't think anyone who has been in business for that long knows that it's easy. <laughs> I don't think it's easy for anyone. It's definitely a roller coaster. It has its high of highs and it has its low of lows and there's been multiple times where, you know, in my business and say so that I've wanted to give up or Things have happened, like we've had the best months ever and we're doing incredible work and then then it just disappears for factors outside of things. And then, you know, you get into that, you know, how can I crawl back, all those bits and pieces. Like I did go job hunting once, <laughs> but that just added fuel to the fire, like going job hunting that, um, you know, and sitting in interviews that I just didn't want to be there and I didn't want to work for someone anymore because, I think what I love, I guess coming back to what I love most about what I do is that connection to people and what I missed out in agency is that you have that one-on-one experience and you can listen to people's stories and you can be a part of it and you can really kind of, you know, get to know them and they become friends and, you know, they come back later and you're just a part of that journey. That's what I really loved about it, but also the creative freedom in it too you know, not having a creative director or a boss over your shoulder saying to change something to a certain colour because they don't like it or <laughs> um, or they prefer it or, you know, fixing things behind your back before sending it to client. All the time pressures of time is money within a certain studio. So that kind of I didn't really want that or like that and that's why I love doing what I do because there's a certain creative freedom about it there's also the freedom of being your own boss so and the flexibility of it so I can be there for my daughter when she's sick I can you know not have to worry about asking time off from the boss um, I can make my own holiday hours I can do parties at 9am if I want to or all those kinds of things and I can work nights to finish off jobs. It's interesting when you do have to make that decision between staying in your business and giving up and I've given up several times I have gone back to full-time salary jobs that so well paying that it's like I always say to myself why can't you just be happy in this like this is the job where you can have a weekend and stuff but ultimately as you said it's you're working for someone else you're kind of at the mercy of someone else and I don't I know that's a bit dramatic but (laughs) you know what I mean like you don't you just don't you just you don't get to make any decisions of your time and how important it is and how you can kind of essentially live the life that you want to live and yes there are going to be times where you think about this over the weekend but there are times where you're like I can start late on Monday or I can take Friday off or so yeah it's kind of taking the good with the bad right yeah, 100%. And, like, I think pre-child when I had all that energy and I had the, I guess, more freedom to work agency and work those late nights and, yeah, didn't have to worry about, you know, little person and you could do nine to five and all those little things, then that was okay. And then I kind of 
how I fell into say so is that I got made redundant twice in three months. And being on the Sunshine Coast, there wasn't very many opportunities. Um, so basically, bowl of red wine, <laughs> came up with a name, started business overnight. Um, so when I started that, I kind of thought about, you know, what did I want say so to be? And I wanted it to be the things that I couldn't have or experience working in agency. So when you work in agency, you obviously have account managers and you kind of sometimes you just get a piece of paper with the brief on it and you've got to come up with it or, um, you know, you get the brief from the account manager and then you have to present this presentation to a board and you don't know if you've done the right thing because you've really got the information that you have on a piece of paper. So having that one-on-one connection, I think, with clients has been real benefit, I guess, not only in my practice and my work, but is what I was kind of missing as such. Like I'd always say, you know, to the boss, can I call this client to ask them some more questions? They'd be like, no, they don't have time. It's like, okay, fine. So that's what I really love about it is that I can sit there, go to a cafe, have a coffee with a client, talk about their business, you know, kind of we talk more than just the branding side of things. We talk about their business goals in the next five years. And I find that really exciting, the the reasons why people have started, the stories behind it and what it means to them. Like, you know, people start their side hustle because they are mums and they want that flexibility too. So I'm totally in it with them and know how they feel. Um, but just to watch them thereafter or you know stay in that journey with them to watch them grow from there is really exciting and seeing the impact they make not only on their own lives but other people's lives as well is really nice so that's definitely one of the key things and it definitely inspires me you know in what I do um, and can yeah makes continue to (laughs) stay in the business I guess like it's rough it's really rough but you know you always have to kind of look at the good rather than the bad in these things when you you are a business owner and you are a creative and yeah you know our why's always change and our values and our yeah. mission always change but we I think we always do get sidelined sometimes by what like why we actually started this for what do we actually want to get out of it and I think we get caught up in making it a super fluffy like world peace I want to I want to just fix the world and stuff and it's like that's that's lovely and yes let's do that but I think we forget about what we actually want to achieve from our business as well and how that's going to actually enrich our lives and give us purpose and that stuff's really important yeah anyway and that's and that's like the whole thing I guess coming back to Instagram and, you know, those messages of what success is and what it looks like. And I think in those times, you know, when business is really low, you look and see what other businesses are doing and you have that, you know, that envy and why am I not there and all that kind of stuff. And you just need to come back to that why. And I always feel like these quiet times and these quiet periods within our business only set us up for the next stage. It's the universe kind of giving us that rest and respite, even though, you know, financially it's not great, <laughs> but it's setting us up for that next big thing. So that's where that roller coaster comes back into it, where, you know, you have your real peaks and you have your real lows, but it's, you know, getting you ready for those peaks. And I guess how you measure success, um, you know, in your business, I think, as you're just saying, like, you know, coming back to that why and if you can always hit that why and when you're in your business um, and remind yourself of that, I think that's a definitely an element of success, you know. Why have you started your own business? You know, why do you love doing what you do? What is it that you want to achieve in your business and what is the outcomes of that? You know, some people talk about, 
multi-million or million dollar business for me that's not what success for me is my business being a multi-million dollar business or a million dollar business is not success for me having a business that allows me to you know be creative meet wonderful people create impact in the ways of you know people's businesses and their lives but also on my life too is that you know being able to be there for my child being able to be there to look after myself that's what success is for me if you can live comfortably in that and yeah know what your why is I think that's what's what they call it your north star (laughs) then yeah um, north star yeah yeah then I think then that well for me is a successful business so I mean five years on I'm still here I'm still alive so. <laughs> no I look I can't agree anymore honestly I think we see so many messages about what success should be and it's it's really hard because there are days where like I know personally for me there are days where I'm like I'm not doing enough I should be better than this I should have worked in an agency I should be doing more print stuff I like And I will have those days where it will all just feel like it's coming and tumbling down and I can't weigh up to any of that. But then there are also days where I'm just like, this is what I want to do. Like this is, what does it matter? Like it will always come after the days where things come tumbling down, but you just (laughs) kind of think to yourself, this is what I want to do. This is what's important to me. And I've always said this, like as long as I make enough money to pay my bills and there's some leftover tacos, we're sweet here. <laughs> All about the leftover tacos. <laughs> Hell yeah. You always post tacos and I'm just like, why? <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. And margaritas. Like, this is, yeah, I'm like, this is just so rude. <laughs> anyway, you know, how and what do you create outside of office hours? Like you are an incredibly skilled illustrator. You, Yeah, you're super, super talented. So <laughs> Like how do you, yeah, how do you create and really allow those little creative pursuits to flourish? To be honest, I don't really do anything outside of hours at the moment. Um, I rarely have time to myself being a mum, business owner, all the other things in life. And I hadn't really been doing anything for a long while since having um, my daughter. I always used to do things like pre-child. I um, used to like make button jewellery and I did my screen printing but I always turned everything into a business somehow. <laughs> so, I, like, I sold my button jewelry in markets, and then with the screen printing, I turned that into a screen printing business. Uh, and then I even started like a blog for Fiji weddings too, and um, did styled weddings and photo shoots, and created a magazine out of that too. So, um, I was always doing something outside of work. I think working in agency, I needed that different creative outlet rather than you know being stuck <laughs> with the brief all day and working late nights I needed that other creative outlet but then since having um my daughter I have lost that time really and then it wasn't until this year that I took a bit of a mini sabbatical I took 12 weeks off out of sheer burnout and I enrolled back into art school and yeah that just really ignited <laughs> so much within me. I walked out of the first class with the biggest smile on my face and I just felt so content and so good. Yeah, and just really fell back in that love of drawing. And I think what it was 
that I loved about it so much and actually was a really good learning just in the first lesson was that I was creating or drawing for no one else other than myself. There was no expectations. There was no, you know, in the back of my mind that this needed to be perfect because it needed to be presented or shown to someone. If I made a mistake of a stroke or, you know, if, you know, I had to really loosen up. It was really weird. I was so rigid in my drawing and I had to loosen up a bit and then just kind of let go. Like I would question, it, oh, should I use that colour in there? What happens if I don't like that colour on there kind of thing? Like it was really interesting to see what like the mentality that I stuck with me from being a graphic designer for so long and losing that freedom in drawing. So, yeah, it was really nice practice just to kind of just sit there and just let go and just not have that expectation or weight of, you know, of judgment or anything like that just to create for no reason. So um, I've actually really started to bring that back into my work. I used to do that quite a lot, do illustration in my work, and then it kind of phased out when I was working agency because things obviously had to be more corporate and bits and pieces. Um, but now, like, as you can see, I'm kind of starting to bring that back in. So that's kind of like my creative outlet now like I'll sit on the couch with the iPad and do the illustrations you know for the job and bits and pieces yeah so that's kind of like how I'm trying to bring that creative outlet even though it's for work and there's that sense of judgment and expectation attached to it yeah that's kind of how I'm trying to integrate it into yeah my everyday work life but I'm also trying to do different things like um, pottery like I'm trying to get back into doing that um, I want to do like a wheel throwing class and then eventually want to get into dancing again I think that'd be really fun just some kind of other thing but like I've yeah I've got paints and found my lino cut from years and years ago that I've kept that I want to get back into but yeah I just really need to prioritize <laughs> that time to get back into it yeah I still think the fact that you took that time off, by the way, we're all for sabbaticals here, best thing you could ever do. But I think it's beautiful that you took that time off, you reignited a passion and, yes, while you might be doing it for work purposes, it's kind of unlocked another little level for you to actually still have that outlet and still be able to create in a really tangible way with your hands rather than just moving the mouse, which is nothing wrong with because that's our jobs. But (laughs) you get what I mean? Like being able to kind of really explore different concepts and different ideas. And it's such a nice thing when you can kind of bring in that illustrative part to a brand because you kind of don't really see it anymore in that sense. Like I know there are some things that are out there, but it's very, and I'm always, I've always been a typographical based designer always. And I find it really hard to think in icons and because I'm just a type person. But yeah, when you finally get that, that, that opportunity to slow down and really like when you're talking about, you know, your approach to doing pen and paper, mind mapping, all of that stuff. I learned that in at Chillington and it was so great. Like it really pushed me to really push concepts and really push ideas. And I can't honestly say that I do that anymore because I'm always in a rush. I've overpromised on my timelines yeah. and I've always been like, for me, I feel like I'm a very intuitive person. So once I get an idea, I'm very much like, yeah, that's it and run with it, whether yeah. that's the right way or not. But I don't know why we deprive ourselves of the actual, this this kind of unfolding of a concept and that development and taking the time to really understand it and really become it. I know that's kind of naff, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you're saying. I, it makes me sad that that's kind of not really 
a thing anymore. Like yeah. I can't tell you the last time I mind mapped or did like like the thesaurus <laughs> of like all the words that the client described, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I always make sure that's part of my practice. Like that's the first thing I do. And it's something that I, you know, had always done even in agency days. I'd always take my sketchbook and the brief and, you know, go sit in a separate room or away from the desk, you know, and start that mind mapping and all those bits and pieces. And I still do that now. Like I've got sketchbooks, a bond sketchbooks of um, concepts. I can't, I don't know, I just can't sit at a screen and just look at type and hope for something to come. Sometimes I'll have like I'll go for a walk and the image will pop up in my head of what I want it to be, but I really need to do that practice of pen to paper. So always make sure that that is always instilled in my practice because I feel like it's really important. And sometimes that's where those illustrations kind of come out of, like if it's right for the client, obviously, obviously some more corporate jobs, it's not right. But then, you know, some others need to be a bit more organic or they need things that tell their story or, you know, help bring across their messages. Um, you might relate better to their audience in that aspect. Um, you know, so even if like I have an idea pop in my head, I'll still sketch it out first before I take it to computer. So like the, um, the piggyback branding, going back to that, um, where those illustrations came into it was I had this idea of like three ducks sitting on top of each other. <laughs> and what it represented was because where the um, restaurant is in palm boards, it's right near a duck pond. And the idea of the name behind Piggyback is that it's piggybacking off the success of their other two restaurants. So they had this idea of like little ducks kind of piggybacking on top of each other and then that ended up turning into chickens. But I had a little sketch and I think I revealed it on Instagram stories one day and didn't like, can you guess what this is? <laughs> so seeing those little sketches and then bringing them to life and then seeing them out on a big wall now <laughs> in the restaurant. Yeah, I think it helps bring that point of difference and that uniqueness and, you know, that's at the end of the day that's why we're creative is to get involved in it and like you said become it <laughs> I feel like we can really get sucked into our concepts and um, put our heart and soul into it but yeah for me the intuitive part is that pen to paper and that brainstorming and sketching things out and I feel like I kind of get lost in it sometimes and then I bring it to computer and not necessarily like it relays on computer either so that's where the illustration kind of comes in if I can't make it work in a digital aspect then I'll definitely go for the hand-drawn I love that story. That was so good. Like that made me think I need to be doing more of that. It's just so much more involved and connected. Uh, yeah. So I, mean, I love making, that. Yeah, making the time for it and making it part of your process. Like before yeah, you jump absolutely. on the screen, just even take yourself away from the desk, sit outside with a coffee, got your brief, put your pen and paper and just see what comes of it. Just on the brief thing just while I'm here. So I remember when we talk about briefs in an agency sense, it's very prescriptive. It's very like bam, 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 bam with questions. It's not fluffy at all. How do you, like, do you use a very similar kind of briefing method with clients like you would at an agency, you know, in terms of the questions you ask? Because I know I kind of try to pull that in with my questionnaires, but I always find that putting together a brief is really quite hard. I think yeah. we can agree with this, right? Yeah. 100%. I think, like you're saying, you know, see, we're working with bigger businesses and they have their own internal marketing teams that create the briefs or, you know, there's someone higher up who has a really clear vision of the business. 
um, what they're setting out to achieve, what their unique selling proposition is. There's a real clear vision for that. So that's where a brief comes in that, you know, has everything that you need. When working with startups and small businesses, they necessarily don't have that already. So, you know, obviously they want to start a business, they've got a business idea, it's at the very beginning. So they don't actually know what they want or what they need. So that's where I kind of guide them in that instance. So even from the initial discovery call, um, I basically just first find out about their business, where they're at, um, talk about their journey so far exactly what do they think they need and then offer suggestions of what I think they might need too. So say so they might say, I just need a logo. I'm like, no, 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 you need more than that, lovely. <laughs> you need more than just a logo. Um, you need this and that. And how are you going to present it out to the world, all those bits and pieces? How are you going to market to your clients? How are you going to, you know, put, present yourself on socials? All those bits and pieces. So I take them through all that and then that's where we kind of come up with, I guess, say a brief to start with for that kind of quote proposal um, section of it. But then in the consultation, that's where I kind of get really deep with them and that's kind of where we kind of start to nut those things out. So they won't necessarily have a brand strategy. I love it when clients do come to me with a bit of a strategy or they know who their business is and who they're talking to and all those bits and pieces. But startups necessarily don't have that just yet because they're still kind of discovering it themselves. One of my clients, Grounded Explorer, she came to me wanting, obviously, branding for her business and we're doing her website now and I think it's been about three or four months but through that, so much has changed. So she knew what she wanted to do, what the business was. We talked about values, you know, what her unique selling points were and who her target audience was but in that three to four months from her branding to her running her business and now website, so much has changed. She's got a different set of target audiences. She's got new things that she wants to develop, such as programs and tours and all these bits and pieces that it's kind of just, yeah, exploded. So in that instance, we're always checking back to make sure that the branding is still sitting and aligned to everything now that we're creating the website. So and then from there, we're kind of because kind of like we're building a business, so we're building the brand at the same time and the visuals. So it's kind of nice to be a part of that too and then from like it always be ever growing in the first year of business she'll be learning so much um you know what really works for her in her business you know values should always still be the same I think and your unique selling point should always still be the same but in terms of offering a new target audience and you know exactly what you need will always shift and change I think in terms of a business as it grows I think this is also something that's really important to highlight because I think as graphic designers in our own businesses, we just think that we're going to get a brief and translate it and see you later. I would say 90% of my own experiences have been with the client literally dissecting their whole business and figuring out what they're actually trying to achieve. And it is a lot more holistic and a lot more strategic, but also, you know, a lot more, um, there's a lot more support there in the sense of wanting to see the client actually succeed and wanting to actually create a brand that is going to have that longevity, but there is an actual story behind it. It's not just knocking up a logo, which like does work for some situations, but when there is someone that has this really beautiful, unique idea, it's almost like, why would you not yeah. do it justice and just take the time and the space to just let something unfold and, and something bloom into this beautiful brand experience. Anyway, could go on about this, yeah. <laughs> but 
it's I think it's something that a lot of creators potentially struggle with because we just think when we're doing these kinds of roles that it's just going to be really creative fun times all the time and it's just going to be us allowed to just throw paint at anything and just do whatever we want but the amount of admin and project management account management that goes into this it can be draining and it can suck away some creativity what are some of your biggest struggles when it comes to keeping creative when it comes to all of that stuff so my biggest struggles i think in keeping creative i think like you said with the business is pretty much 70% admin client <laughs> project management and 30% creative that's how it kind of feels sometimes but i'm trying to flip that a little bit more you know as we're getting into business but i think like not only just the client side of things like you know you have some really wonderful clients that you know love what you what you're putting out there and when you hit the brief it's real really magical and that just kind of keeps you going and really creative then there's some times where you don't hit the brief and the client doesn't love it you know you've poured in 40 hours of work and their instant reaction is like they didn't like anything they didn't connect to it that's really gut-wrenching <laughs> it's real like as, as creators, we pour our heart and soul into those projects and, you know, some things feel really intuitive and you feel like you're on the right track and you're hitting that brief, but it might not necessarily be in looking at it from a strategic side too, but it might not necessarily the client envisioned in their mind or, you know, they might see things completely differently to you. So when that tends to happen, that for me is a little bit like takes a bit of a knock on my creative soul. <laughs> And I start to question my creative ability as well because majority of the time it is first concept, first go, love it, let's like run with it or a few tweaks here and there. But with those times where the client just absolutely does not connect with it and, you know, you get comments like it's bland and it's boring and it's dated and things like that, it really crushes you. Um, that hurts my soul. Like, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's one of those things as well where you kind of think, well, if I haven't got this right, then like, what am I doing? I'm not meant to be a designer then. Like, I can't even do this. And like, I will go through the whole notion of I suck and this is shit and this yeah. is hard. And why doesn't the client like it? And just like this and all of that stuff. Yeah. And you do, you go through that. You're like, is there something that I missed? Is it me or is it them? <laughs> you go through all these things. And, um, you know, I've, I mean, I've learned over the years now that, you know, at the end of the day, the client has to love it and they have to be confident in it and that's the end goal. You want them to walk away with something that they're proud to show and that's where the name kind of say-so comes into things. So even though it's not what you think is right, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, the client has to love it. So it's kind of looking at, you know, where did I go wrong in that instance? Let's just have a glass of wine first <laughs> and, 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 then, and then look at it from the other way, like, you know, other ways of things, you know, what went wrong, um, you know, was it something that I missed in the brief, kind of backtracking, you know, just working out with the client what they really don't like, what they do like, and then just coming up with a solution, just really being having an open and honest conversation with them. And, like, nine out of ten times we do come up with a resolution, the second round of concepts just hits the mark and they're absolutely happy with it. So I've learned different ways to kind of draw that out from them exactly what exactly they like. And then other times, like, they'll still continue to say, no, I don't like it, no, I'm not connecting it. And I always find that starts to become the client side of things is that 
they're not actually clear on their vision for their business or they're not actually confident in their business or they're starting to create doubt in their business or it's becoming really real and really scary for them. Now it's actually they're seeing something come of it. So in those instances, I either like say, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now and break up the relationship or, you know, put a pause on it put a pause on it they can you know go see you know someone to help them on that strategic side of things for their business or they might go and do a full-fledged brand strategy or they might just have a think about their business a little bit more and when they're ready they can come back and kind of we can relook at everything so yeah so that's kind of like one of those creative <laughs> squash but I always find there's always a nice resolution or there is a resolution to that and then definitely another one is the outside world like I'm being a creative, I'm a huge empath. So obviously the past couple of years with all the heavy news and all that kind of stuff, it definitely takes an impact. Like there's just days you just feel flat and you're just like, how am I going to do these concepts that are due <laughs> next week right now? And, yeah, you just got nothing. You just feel like you don't have anything because you just have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And, you know, that's when I'm like, not today, and I'll go for a walk on the beach and maybe something might come of it. It's just allowing that time for us, I guess, to take on and absorb. And I always say, you know, there's always an action around those kinds of things. And that's where those koala tote bags came into it during the fires. I just, it was just so heavy on me. And I was just like, I felt so helpless and like I just could not stop watching the news because it was just so unrealistic and just unfathomable that this was happening and I just felt so helpless and we had some fires like close to home too and that's where I was kind of like well what can I do if I can't create for work because this is feeling really heavy what else can I do to help you know as a creative and as a business owner we have that those powers to create action and you know do something for good and that's where you know I had a bunch of tote bags sitting in the wardrobe from my old business I had the screen sitting there and just one night I just started drawing and then I was just like, I'm just going to sell these tote bags and donate all the money to the charities just so I felt like I've done something and used my creativity for good. So that's how that came about. So, yeah, it's just kind of removing yourself from those situations or, you know, how can I do something else creatively if I can't do work? What else can I do to help or, you know, move past this feeling or <laughs> without being ignorant in terms of what's going on to allow yourself to you know kind of lighten that load and then be ready to get creative for work what are some of the ways that you refill your creative cup dealing with all that stuff definitely walks on the beach <laughs> grounding is definitely that thing like I said I don't really get much time to do anything outside of um, mum life and business life but you know anything that I can do long showers really good (laughs) or just making that time for self I think is really important to help fill that cup up but yeah definitely I have a real connection with water so walks on the beach and just you know grounding myself or yeah going for walks is just really my thing it's a way of disconnecting from the world clearing my mind yeah getting that fresh air and yeah that's just my thing (laughs) how I do that so I guess in a sense if you're filling your own cup up you're filling your creative cup up I guess yeah and you tend to fill other people's up as well once your cup is full and overflowing and it's something we tend to forget that you kind of have to look after yourself it's like you know that and that old saying you've got to put your own 
breathing mask on. What's I don't know. Yeah. I've messed it up, but you get what I'm saying. You gotta put your own mask on before you put someone else's on. And yeah. it is such a really obvious thing that when you're in a space where it's all just feeling a bit shitty, like you have to just take yourself away from it. And even though that's yeah. kind of scary because you're kind of thinking, oh, well, I've got all this stuff to do. My to-do list is piling up. If I literally walk away from this, like it's just going to make the to-do list worse. But honestly, when you're then trying to attempt the, that work, you're not getting anything done because you just your head is just so like yeah. congested yeah. with everything else, all the noise. Um, what, where, who inspires you and your work? gosh this is tricky I don't really have any specific people that inspire me because they're just I don't know a whole bunch of people <laughs> inspire me but I always go back to you know the old school peeps like you know Andy Warhol and Milton Glazer and Paul Rand and all those old school people because they just created and became known for it and you know they put those things that are unique and you know spark joy and they've created impact in bits and pieces so you'll find like all my books behind me or all those old school kind of peeps and um you know old school illustrators and stuff like that and linographs and um that's why I love art galleries because it's just people who have just yeah put something onto paper or canvas that it's just come from their inner selves that hasn't been influenced by anything else and it's just original and it has a story and and it's just yeah creatively unique yeah I love that I think one of the things like I always think of is every generation has visionaries and of course there's our generation that are currently creating amazing things and there's going to be more generations that create amazing things but I think when you do kind of take it back like centuries even just thinking about the way of life and the way of thinking and that way of I guess living quite frankly and how different that is to now and yes we're like more technologically advanced and all of that kind of stuff but I feel like you know there's just such a simpler way to live and to think and to do and yeah it's such a it's almost alien when you look at that stuff because you're kind of thinking I know that existed but what yeah (laughs) and it is it is a kind of like a I don't say a wake-up call but it is a, a realization of going like look how far we've come and look how simple things can just be to create you don't have to make things incredibly complicated for it to be good design like that's actually the complete opposite of good design good design is meant to be simple it's meant to be clear I think I've got Dita Rams yeah Dita Rams is 10 it's in really small writing and I should know this but 10 (laughs) uh 10 principles also 10 principles of good design by Dita Rams like it's just so obvious what it needs to be and why do we overcomplicate yeah less is more less is more more. (laughs) speaking of less is more what's your number one piece of advice for creatives on how to find creative fulfillment in this very complicated world I think like just always go back to basics and just do what sparks joy for you. Like don't worry about outside influences or what the expectations of what you should be creating be or, you know, like some of the people always get inspired at design conferences just, you know, when people talk and, you know, their careers have stemmed from passion projects because, you know, they've explored a certain idea or a medium or, you know, they've taken that time aside to, yeah, dig deep into that and then someone's picked it up and then now it's become their thing, it's been commercialised. So, and it's unique to them. 
Um, it's something that, you know, no one can replicate. So I think that's where we need to constantly make time and explore those ideas and, um, you know, experiment, like dabble in all different things. You don't have to be stuck on a computer. You don't have to be stuck just to drawing, like do different things, you know, um, draw in the sand with a stick, like <laughs> do pottery, um, go to art class. Even if you feel like you can't draw, just go and do it, like, and explore those different mediums. And you might find something that, you know, you really fall in love with and, you know, it will evolve or, you know, you're done with that and then you'll dabble in the next thing. But I think it all plays a part trying these different things in being a creative and fulfilling all those, our cup and, you know, adding to our bank of things. Like, you know, when you're a designer and you're coming up with certain projects, you're like, use this thing with um this material to make this thing and then maybe I can work that into, you know, this brand project or, you know, it kind of becomes a bit of a toolkit as such in which you can apply to your everyday. But, yeah, just create for no reason and, um yeah, even, like I said, if it's drawing with a stick in the sand, like, <laughs> yeah, just do something for you. What I'm feeling like doing right now is remember the marbling that we used to do in primary school? Yeah. Love it. <sighs> so How much it, fun would that be? Even like I remember actually, yeah, I was thinking back to like, you know, being creative and little. I used to love like the finger painting with the shaving cream on the table. Like or even just like I do it now. I draw on the shower screen like yeah. <laughs> in the shower. Yeah. Like just, you know, I'll see yeah. a little bubble or a shape from the steam and I'll try and do that with the Mr. Um, squiggle. Squiggle. <laughs> I'll try and do Mr. Squiggle yeah. on the shower screen. Vape <laughs> show. How funny. Yeah. Funny. And like even, you know, blowing bubbles in like thick shakes and stuff like that and just doing really silly things. Like yeah. I think we just we need to bring more silliness and more play into our lives and just to – let go of everything needing to be this showcase and highlight reel and letting it go that it needs to be for someone else's enjoyment and someone else's validation and someone else's approval, quite frankly. And I, I, it's hard. It's really hard because I think like, as you were saying, you know, someone has followed a passion project and then it's blown up and I think, oh, that's amazing. And I think there's that whole feeling of, well, maybe if I, show off this passion project maybe it will blow up maybe it will come it will go somewhere and it's just such a fine line because you have to have the right reasons to do it I think I think you have to be doing it ultimately for yourself and not the validation of the internet always no matter what always be for yourself and if it does get picked up and turns into something then that's just a bonus but never create for the intention of it to be commercialized or made into a business because that only brings in that self-doubt and again those restrictions and you know you lose that that sense of freedom in your work thanks so much for joining me today if you enjoyed this episode please share the love and leave a review over on apple podcast or over on spotify where you can subscribe and follow along too and i'm also over on instagram at at this creative life dot podcast sharing some good stuff until next time keep creating